Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 167. If opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. Milton Burl. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, my indie film hustlers, to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Today's show is sponsored by Film Convert. Film Convert, I used heavily on creating the cinematic look I got on my film, This Is Meg. It helps you give your digital video footage a beautiful cinematic look of film instantly. Whether you're shooting on a GoPro, a DSLR, a RED, an Alexa, a Black Magic, it doesn't matter. Film Convert has created specific camera profiles for every, almost every camera on the planet so it can adjust to your footage. Film Convert gives you the power to create amazing looking cinematic images with just a couple clicks. And of course, because you guys are part of the Indie Film Hustle tribe, you get 10% off Film Convert by using the coupon code HUSTLE. But you can try this software for free, guys. Just head over to IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash Film Convert. That's IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash Film, C-O-N-V-E-R-T. This show is also sponsored by the iTunes release of This Is Meg the movie that you guys have been listening about for the past year. Uh, and it's finally going to be available on iTunes on August 4th. Just head over to thisismeg.com forward slash iTunes. And if you pre-order it, you get a nice discount before August 4th and be the first one to get it as soon as it gets released. Guys, I am so excited to bring you this episode. I've been chasing this uh, guest for almost a year now. And... Uh, and it's just we couldn't get our schedules right, and it was always always something going on. It was just really tough tough to just nail down a time that we both could do this, and we finally did it. Uh, as promised in episode one sixty six, uh, today's guest is Nick Palmashano from the indie film Miracle called Range Fifteen. Now Nick and his compadres put together uh, a million one point two million dollar film that went on and by the way they crowdfunded that 1.2 million dollars and we're going to discuss how he did that because he's never made a movie nor anybody on the team really uh that put this whole thing together have never made a movie acted in a movie or written a movie and they decided just to go out there and do it raise the money and go and they crowdfunded that budget and then not only did they crowdfund the budget 
and they self-distributed it through Distribber. And they went straight to iTunes and Amazon. And they have, according to Nick, have made over $3 million to date and counting. Uh, and that's only been around a year old. That is insane. Insane for a horror comedy, a zombie B-flick, as I quote Nick, to go on and not only make that amount of money, they were able to break the top 10 of I, of all of iTunes competing with the studios. And they actually got all the way to number two on iTunes. Only Angry Birds beat them. I mean, come on, seriously, you couldn't beat Angry Birds. But, uh, and I know that will drive Nick crazy for the rest of his life, but they got to number two. And the, the studios even started taking notice, like, who are these guys? How did they get up there? What is this movie? Because the top 10 of iTunes is generally, you know, held for the studios for $100, $200 million movies. But these guys were beating Batman versus Superman and just big monster studio temple films. And I wanted to get him on the show so he could share his story on how the whole project came together, how they crowdfunded it, their journeys through Hollywood, because they're not from Hollywood, in the distribution game and the crazy stories and meetings they had with distributors. And then finally getting to Distribber and getting their movies through Distribber to iTunes and uh, Amazon and what both of those platforms did for the film and continues to do for the film. And also the ancillary products that they've sold, T-shirts, Blu-rays, DVDs, uh, posters, and so on. And guys, I mean, they're just an inspiration. Uh, Nick and the team that, that put together Range 15 is an inspiration of understanding uh, your market and making a product for that market or that community as opposed to making a movie then going out and trying to find uh, a community to sell it to uh, or a customer to sell it to. They knew their customer and built something for their customers. This is Business 101. So without any further ado, I want you to enjoy and please take notes uh, and get ready to be inspired by Nick from Range 15. I'd like to welcome to the show Nick Palmashano. How about Palmashano? Palmashano. 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 Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. So, no thank man. We've been we've been playing phone tag or email tag for for a long time now, probably months, if not almost a year. So, I really appreciate us finally connecting and having you on the show, man. Yeah, man. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Nick, tell me a little bit about yourself and your background, so the audience uh, kind of gets to know who you are and where you came from. Sure. Uh, I kind of grew up all over the place. Uh, my dad was a Vietnam veteran that ended up working for, uh, for the military as a, as a DOD civilian for a long time. So grew up in Italy and kind of have been just about everywhere at this point. Um, went to uh, high school in Massachusetts. So I'm a diehard Patriots fan. So apologize for all of you out there that, uh, you know, hate us. Uh, and, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a very, it, I'm a very sad dolphin fan. So, uh, <laughs> been sad for 30, been, 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 been sad for about 30 odd years now. <laughs> Well, you guys used to kill us when I was a kid, so you know, uh, it's refreshing. We, it's refreshing we did, to be didn't on the we? other side of it. When, when Marino was around, yes. Okay. When anyway, Marino anyway, was around. We'll get. We'll, we'll keep. <laughs> uh, we'll keep talking. <laughs> I, uh, I went to West Point, um, and after West Point, became an infantry officer, which I, which I did for six years. Uh, got out of the military, went to grad school, 
uh, got the corporate job and uh, felt very empty and uh, started a little hobby on the side just to kind of keep my connection to the to the military community. And that was uh, the apparel company that I now run called Ranger Up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been 11 years now, believe it or not, since I started that hobby. And we've been able to do incredible things since then. Most recently, um, we teamed up with our, our friends at Article 15, another military clothing company, and we launched a movie called Range 15. And, um, and we'll get and we'll get all into Range 15 in a little bit. And, without and, question. Uh, and then after that, uh, a, a documentary about that film called Not a War Story. And so that is the the 60 second version of my life is <laughs> lot, lots of travel, joined the military, uh, got a job and then started a hobby that became my real life's work. Now, 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 Ranger Up is is not like a little company anymore, right? I mean, this is no, a substantial no, yeah. apparel company. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, we've we've, I think I think we crossed, I think we crossed seven figures like seven years ago. Wow. So, yeah, we're yeah we're pretty yeah we're we sell a lot of t-shirts. That's awesome, you know, man. Now it's, it's weird because. Uh, People don't realize how many T-shirts you have to sell <laughs> to get to seven <laughs> get figures. Numbers. No, it's a massive. I wish, <laughs> I wish we were selling like battleships. You know, like oh, we sold one battleship. Like, we're, we're good, good for the year. <laughs> that, that would be preferable. Exactly. Now, tell me the story of how and why you launched a YouTube channel. Yeah. So you, you know, I think um, people that are starting companies now are growing up in a world where uh, Facebook and social media and Instagram and all those things are just the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I started Ranger up, Facebook existed, but you could only, the only reason I had Facebook was because I went to grad school at Duke university, right? It was college only. I remember that. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't even college only at that point. It was like, a, like, you know, quote unquote elite colleges, you know, right. they started with Harvard, then they added a couple more then they added a couple more. So, you know, almost nobody was on Facebook, certainly nobody that, you know, uh, was super interested in, in what we were doing. So I wrote a lot of, um, articles for blogs and did a lot of stuff that was very popular back in the day, you know, kind of these different networking sites. Mm-hmm. And, um, then, you know, Facebook started, started becoming a thing. And I was like, Oh, it's, you know, it kind of makes it easy to share content. And this was like 2007, 2008. And, um, I had been making videos like my entire life. You know, I, I made, I made funny videos with, you know, two VCRs when I was in the military, you know, when I was a kid, I, I made, you know, highlight videos and joke videos, you know, for, like my wrestling team. So, mm-hmm. uh, I've always kind of had a passion for film and, uh, and even when I was at Duke university, we had, uh, we had a show called Fuqua vision that was very similar to like a, like a really bad Saturday night live focused on, you know, Duke life. <laughs> okay. And, uh, I spent like more time doing that than I did, you know, academics. And I'm not, I'm not saying that as like a joke. I mean, I really spent more time, you know, in the, in the editing room right. than I did working on class. So, you know, I've, I've always had a passion for film and, um, all of a sudden I had this medium where, you know, we could come up with content and you could easily share it. And, you know, and back then when every, when all this kind of stuff started, 
you know, if you, if you got a couple thousand views, that was huge. Like, wow, you know, a few thousand people watch my stuff. That's huge. It's so, still, it's still like everyone th- looks at like, oh, I got to, you have to get a million views. Like 2000 people is a lot of people. A lot, right? <laughs> right. When you really think about it. Um, and so, you know, back then it was just like, well, this is a cool way to kind of, you know, do something fun, engage, you know, with, uh, with like-minded people. And, um, and no one else was doing this. Like, you know, we were the first military apparel brand, you know, before mm-hmm. us, you, you could buy like skull shirts and, you know, skulls with snakes wrapped around them and right, death sure. from above and yeah. that kind of stuff. But nobody had made it cool. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we created this whole industry. Now there's 30 something brands in the industry. Mm-hmm. And then we were the first to start creating content, you know, and we didn't come out with tough guy content. It was always funny. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, I've always felt that the toughest dudes never take themselves too seriously, mm-hmm. you know? So like if you've got a bunch of military guys and they're just trying to tell you how tough they are, like they probably aren't that tough. Like <laughs> the, dudes, the dudes that I knew that were truly badasses mm-hmm. were never sitting around talking about themselves. They were talking about other things that had nothing to do with the military or they were talking about training. Mm-hmm. They were never just sitting around going, I'm the baddest. I'm so, I'm so good. I'm so good, dude, you know? <laughs> and so, um, you know, when people do that, I kind of, I, I, I instantly start raising an eyebrow when somebody's spending a lot of time telling you how tough they are. And so we never wanted to do that. We, uh, we just created a lot of funny stuff. And like one of the first videos we did was called the Ranger Up Workout video where it starts off and you think it's going to be serious. And then, you know, everybody's in super short shorts and it's, it's not, it's not remotely a workout and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, and it became like a huge success, you know, like, you know, at the time, big numbers, you know, hundreds of thousands of people watched it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's still big numbers, by the way, I would kill for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not, not as much anymore, but back then it was huge. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was wild. And so, you know, we kind of started committing to doing this more and more and, uh, we got better at it, better at creating content, you know, we start investing in equipment and, you know, fast forward 11 years, you know, we're coming off making two movies with our, with our buddies from article 15. So it's been a wild ride. So, and then how, so basically you, so for the audience to understand, you understood who your market was, the the niche that you were trying to go after. Then you started creating content for that niche and building that audience up. And I'm assuming that was to help you connect with your audience and sell more product. Yes. So I've got a weird, I've got a weird outlook on all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And and you know, I I don't want to try to, I'm not trying to sound like a, like a holier than thou dude or anything. Sure. I do not, I don't love apparel. Like Mm -hmm. I have no passion for apparel. I didn't (laughs) want to sell t-shirts because I just love (laughs) t-shirts. Right. Um, I I really like the community. And Mm -hmm. when I left the military, it was very bittersweet. Um, you know, there's never, I don't know anybody that, that is worthwhile that left the military and was like just a hundred percent. Yes. I'm so glad I'm out. Almost always it's, I'm glad I'm out for these reasons, but I miss the guys. I miss the camaraderie and I miss the mission. Mm-hmm. And, and I fell into that category. And so I wanted to connect. And so I, yeah, I created, I created t-shirts. I wrote articles and I tried to build a community where there wasn't one before, you know, when you get out, you're kind of isolated. You go Mm -hmm. from having all of these friends around you with shared values 
to you go back to wherever it is you're from or you go to some new place and now you're alone. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have problems with that. And so I wanted to build a virtual community with Ranger Up mm-hmm. to just keep people connected. Like in the back of my head, I was like, ah, yeah, I might make a few few thousand extra bucks doing this. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had a big time corporate job mm-hmm. and, you know, there was no real thought to leaving that in order to sell T-shirts. On the <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like make that, a lot. It doesn't was, make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll be honest, you know, when I decided to do it. There is nobody, I mean, like literally no one in my life that didn't look at me like I was an idiot. Right. Um, right. That's generally the, I don't, that's generally I don't the best blame times. Them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I would agree. If you, if I, if you were in my life and you said the same thing, I'm like, maybe, <laughs> but you know, it's still, it's still a pretty big risk, pretty, pretty big jump. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, uh, kind of a crazy moment and I did it. Um, I did it because I found out I was getting promoted. Oh, and the rate and the raise was going to be about a hundred K and, uh, and I was, you know, at that point, barely over 30. Right. Um, and so I'm sitting there going like, if I take this job, I will never get out. I will never do anything else because the money's going to be too good. I, I will never be able to take the risk. And so, uh, I found out on a Friday that uh, that I was getting promoted, and, and uh, gave my notice on a Monday after thinking about it for the weekend. That's that's, that's pretty amazing. And so, but basically, your audience. Well, let me ask you: How important is your audience building been to your business as a general statement? Incredibly important. You know that my audience is my business. There, mm-hmm. You know, there's there is nothing else. Like, yeah, there. You know, there are people you know that buy our stuff that have no idea who we are. Mm-hmm. That you know don't don't really care about the values we have. They just like the shirt. Like, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And that you're always going to have that. But, um, you know, I think the majority of our customers, you know, buy from us, not just because we sell a quality product, but because they believe in the ethos. Right. Of what you're, of, of, of your community of basically the, the, the more, Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the values of your community that you've built up. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, So then what made you decide to finally go into the crazy world of full blown filmmaking and make a feature film? So really, really interestingly, you know, I've, uh, in 2009, I did my first real interview, uh, with Ranger up Mm -hmm. and in that interview, which, uh, which went to a Fort Bragg newspaper, Mm -hmm. I, uh, I said, you know, someday I want to, I want this company to be big enough where we can do feature film and affect policy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got laughed at a lot for that. Like mm-hmm. I, I actually saved some of the comments because, <laughs> you know, people were like, stick to t-shirts, you know, like, are you kidding me? You're going to do movies. Like, how are you going to do that? You know? Sure. And so then fast forward, you know, to 2014 and, uh, Jared Taylor from article 15, uh, called me up and was like, Hey man, like I'm working on this project. Like I had this idea about doing a movie and I want you to see the script and tell me what you think. Mm -hmm. So he sends me the script and, uh, I thought, I thought it was a great concept. I was laughing the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I made a bunch of notes. Like I probably sent him, you know, four pages of like alternative dialogue or ideas Mm -hmm. or whatever. And, um, so, you know, and he calls me, he's like, so, you know, so you liked it. I was like, yeah, man, this is really cool. Like if, you know, if you make this a little more military here and that, you know, and like, this could be really, really funny. And he was like, how about we do this together? 
And I was like, yep, let's do it. I'm in. And so at that point, uh, you know, Jared and I became the, you know, we started, a, uh, formed a company to do this film mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, became the, the co-managers of, of, you know, creating range 15. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Man, I like neither of us really had any idea what we were signing up for. <laughs> the hardest, the hardest professional accomplishment of my entire life. Oh was yeah, dra- was dragging this movie across the finish line. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know we thought the hard part was going to be the script, you know, because you know the script took months and months and months to mm. get right, and we were, you know, we argued about it and you know, knockout, drag out fights and, you know, but ultimately we ended up with a better script as a result. Um, and we were fortunate. I didn't realize how many people in Hollywood actually end up kind of, you know, breaking up as friends over oh, creative God. differences. Oh, every, every, I mean, I've ha- it's happened to me. It's happened to multiple mo- of people I know. It, that's generally the way it goes. Yeah. It's interesting because in the military, we're so used to like the, the, culture of the military is you're supposed to fight the fight. Like if you believe something, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to fight it. And then once it's resolved, whether you got your way or not, everybody's supposed to drop it. Like that is the culture that we have where, you know, if, if, if you don't fight the fight, you're not, you're doing a disservice to the men, you're doing a disservice to yourself. Sure. Um, and you're, you know, and you're, you're being cowardly, but Mm -hmm. you know, but once it's decided you either get on board or you go away. And yeah. so that's just so, you know, we'd have these fights and then at the end of the night, you know, we'd be sharing a beer or something like it, right. it never it never stayed. And so that was one of the things our director found really interesting is that we would have these like, you know, pretty aggressive conversations and then like <laughs> everybody would be fine. And he just did. He kept waiting for the ball to drop. Right. Um, yeah. Cause that's, that's our training and our, in our business. That's exactly when you see stuff like that, I'm like, this is going to blow up at any moment and the whole thing's going to come crashing to, to a halt or down and, and we're not gonna be able to finish this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it was just, it's just the way that we were all used to kind of acting that, uh, you know, it worked out. So we thought the script was going to be the challenge. And then we thought, you know, raising money was going to be the challenge. You know, we, we couldn't get money from Hollywood, um, for obvious reasons, you know, like Mm -hmm. we had, uh, you know, none of us had made a movie. None of us had written a movie. (laughs) Uh, Um, none of us had acted in a film, you know, there were, there was no reason for Hollywood to give us money. Uh, so we went to Indiegogo and, you know, we were just hoping, Hey, if we got 350 K, then, you know, Ranger up an article 15 could kick in another, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars and we could get, you know, we'd get, make a small, you know, half million dollar or $600,000 movie and it'd be cool. And then, uh, you know, we ended up raising, you know, just shy of 1.2 million on Indiegogo and I was able to bring in a bunch of other sponsors. Yeah. Can you, uh, so, so let me, let me stop you there for a second. So, all right. So you, you crowd, so when you started crowdfunding on Indiegogo, you basically yep. went out to your audience and then you yes. told your audience, Hey, this is what we're doing. And they responded much better than you could ever have dreamed of. Yeah. I mean, I did think we were going to get the 350. I thought we were going to grind it out and get the 350, mm-hmm. but not in my wildest dreams that I think we were going to cross 350 in 30 hours. That's insane. Uh, you know, um, it was insane. That was the was power really of your insane. audience. That was the power of the connection you made with your audience. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it, we, um, it was very, we planned that, you, you know, um, surgically 
like mm-hmm. how we executed that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, first of all, you know, uh, we had just watched super troopers two raise 4 million. <laughs> right. And we, uh, we modeled a lot of what we did after super troopers, you know, mm-hmm. because they had, they had created an effective model for doing that. And then, um, you know, Jared and I reached out to lots of different, uh, you know, supportive websites, mm-hmm. supportive audiences. So it wasn't just it wasn't just Ranger Up and Article 15s. It was also the ancillary characters in both of our companies. So mm-hmm. Matt Best on his social media, Tim Kennedy on his social media. Mm-hmm. But then also we were able to enlist, you know, friends like other other personalities, you know, military supporters, Medal of Honor recipients. And we had it all staggered so that, you know, every, you know, six hours, somebody new was that had a large audience was posting it, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which kept it very fresh on mm-hmm. Facebook. And so, you know, and then it, it then it kind of took on a life of its own. You know, it went over it went over 350. <clears throat> and then uh, Marcus Luttrell, um, you know, I, I, I had a I, I had sp- a small relationship with Marcus Luttrell from a previous event. You know, mm-hmm. we weren't tight, tight or anything like that, but I had his contact info. I reached out to him, uh, you know, asked if he might be interested and he did a little video that said, Hey, you know, if I'll be in this movie, if it goes over, you know, a half a million dollars and, uh, he posts that video and then like, you know, a day later we're over a half a million dollars and <laughs> like it just, it just kept going and going and going. And, um, that was when we started, we're like, Oh, we have a real movie now. And our director said, look, you know, you, you guys now have the budget to, to actually bring in some actors, right? you know, not just, not just, you know, you guys and, you know, and some, so, you know, working actors. And, and I say that with absolutely no disrespect because sure. a lot of times working actors are truly the best actors, but mm-hmm. marquee, uh, marquee value actors in other words. Bring in, right. Yeah. And so I started writing letters, um, in particular, like I really wanted William Shatner to be in the movie. I, I just, I'm not, it's not like I'm a huge Trekkie <clears throat> or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I really loved him as, uh, as Denny Crane in Boston legal. Yeah. And, uh, he quietly does a lot of stuff for the military. He doesn't make a huge deal out of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just thought it would be absolutely epic if we got William Shatner. Uh-huh. So we all had, we all had kind of like our dream list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody wanted Stallone, you know, those sure. would have been, that would have been amazing. Sure. But those guys are, they're a little busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a little uh, bit, a little bit, you know, but, but even Shatner, we didn't think we were going to get him, And, mm-hmm. uh, he, uh, you know, he, he got the letter that I wrote him and he, he said, uh, you know, no one's ever sent me a letter like this before. And, you know, I, I might, I might be making a mistake, but I'm going to do it. And, uh, <laughs> he came out and he did it. And once he signed on, it was, it was magical. So as soon as he signed oh, yeah. on, everybody else was interested, you know, then it was a real movie. So yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to be the first of the party. That's the way it works in the, in the town. No, no, because you know, if you've seen the movie, you know, we really went for it. It's really yes. dark. It's very inappropriate. Yes. And so, you know, people <laughs> were worried about their careers, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, um, I, I want to say, I want to say we got, uh, 
let's see, we, we started with William Shatner, then Randy Couture, who's a friend, mm-hmm. um, said he would do it. And then, um, Keith David signed on. Love Keith, man. He's and awesome. then yeah. Sean Astin actually called us. Uh-huh. So imagine, you know, imagine you're our director uh-huh. and a, uh, your phone rings and it's like, Hey, uh, this is Sean Astin. Uh, I was wondering if, uh, I could be in your movie <laughs> and, and like, you know, Ross was like, uh, uh you know, it's sure. not my call, it's not my call <laughs> but, but I'm pretty sure the guys are going to be thrilled. Let me check with the guys. And so he gets Jared and I on a conference call and he's like, Hey, uh, Sean Astin just called and he wants to be in the movie. And I was like, Samwise Gamgee, Sean Astin, or like, is there a new, like up and coming Sean Astin? That I don't know about? Like, no, no, Samwise, Samwise Gamgee. I'm like, yeah. Uh, and, and that was, that right there is when I became a hero to my children, you know, because oh. they're, they're the Lord of the Rings generation. They're not Star Wars kids. They're Lord of the Rings kids. And so Got I it. had Samwise in the, in the movie. So, um, and then, then it, it just got crazy, man. Like, all, like people couldn't believe the cast we had. We couldn't believe the cast we had. Yep. And uh, and a decent and a decent budget, a very decent budget. I mean, a low, yeah, low yeah. budget for what you guys were trying to do because you guys you guys went for it. Uh, we with, went for it, but you did a fantastic job for what for the budget you had. Uh, it looks awesome. It looks really the, really the budget awesome. we had and the time we had. I'm I'm very proud of of what we pulled off. Now, can you talk? Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, how the sponsors worked and how did you incorporate them in your yeah, plan for Range so, Fifteen? So I I went to sponsors exclusively that had ties to the military community or had supported the military community in the past. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, instead of going for you know, kind of big marquee names, you know, for like the energy drink, mm-hmm. you know, we went, we went to kill cliff, which is, a, which is, you know, they're a sizable company now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, you know, they're, they're a veteran owned, uh, Navy seal, f- uh, owned company. Um, you know, that, that makes a really great energy drink mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's, it's designed for like the CrossFit kind of athletic community. It's not as heavy, like, you know, mm-hmm. if you drink a Red Bull or something, sometimes that can be on the heavier side. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to drink a Red Bull and then sprint. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, right. And I, and I love Red Bull, but you know, you just, there's certain things you do and don't do with it. Whereas, you know, with Kill Cliff, it's, you can, you can drink it and then work out. Gotcha. And and uh, so, you know, asked them if they wanted to be involved and, and they surprised the hell out of me by coming in big. They wanted to they wanted to come in and like be the cure. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's oh, so this was product. So this was product placement. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. OK, so you created so, you went after your. So again, so I'm just trying to break it down for the audience. You have an audience that, you know. Your yep. your niche audience. You go after niche companies within that audience or that community. Mm-hmm. Have yes. those guys product place inside your movie, which helps raise the budget of the movie, obviously, and give you a better product. Yes, that's amazing. It's 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 so amazing. Yet it seems like it's it's genius, but it seems so logical. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's just the it's not even. I don't I don't even want to take credit for having some kind of strategic magical vision. It's more like. These are the people we like and trust. Mm-hmm. You know, North American Rescue is, is you know, is a, a veteran-owned company that also happens to be, you know, the largest supplier of like emergency metal medical products, you know, in the world. Like 
NAR saves more lives than any other company. So like if you are carrying a tourniquet, mm-hmm. you know, odds are you're carrying a cat tourniquet made by NAR. If you're mm-hmm. carrying, you know, if you have a, a, like a nice, you know, emergency health kit in your car or mm-hmm. in your house, mm-hmm. it's probably made by NAR. Gotcha. So these, these guys came in, you know, and, um, they wanted to, you know, they wanted to get the cat tourniquet placed in a few places. So like when, you know, the medal of honor recipient, um, Leroy Petrie, you know, he had actually lost his arm in combat mm-hmm. and, uh, was saved by you know, someone applying a cat tourniquet to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in the movie as a joke, like we blow off the other arm. And, you know, like, you know, with a, with a terrible prosthetic, like it's so over the top. And, uh, but, uh, and and then we, you know, he gets a a cat tourniquet applied to it by another medal of honor recipient. Right. Um, which is also crazy. We had, you know, we, we, this is the most decorated movie ever made Mm -hmm. and it's a zombie B flick. Like there is no movie (laughs) in the history of film that has had more military muscle, uh, than, than this film. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's insane. Now, so yeah, now you get the movie done. You, you've edited the movie. You've, it's all finished. Mm-hmm. Now you're like, okay, we're going to try to sell this thing. Well, what do you do? Yep. You go to obviously traditional distributors, but what was your experience talking to traditional experience, distributors? Uh, it was not good. Um, <laughs> it was not good. Can you tell me like you know, an example of one conversation? Just yes. So my, people, my, really fav- my favorite conversation was that, these guys wanted us to reshoot the movie with John Claude Van Damme. Okay. He's like, this, this is a, this is a funny concept. They wanted to replace Matt best. Right. With, who's the star? John Claude. Who's, who's the star of the film? Right. With John Claude Van Damme. But you've already have a movie. It's done. We have a movie. We have a movie. It's yep. done. But they're like, no, let's reshoot the whole thing. Let's reshoot it with John Claude Van Damme. Did they offer and you then, money for this? Yes. Okay. Uh, and it was it was just comical. Um, and then another another one wanted us. They wanted to buy the film. I want to say it was like three hundred fifty k or five hundred k or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they wanted to put us into another movie as like the the they were a small firm. So it wasn't like we were going to, it's not like they wanted to buy it and put us in transformers. They wanted to <laughs> buy it, buy it, and put us in like an even worse B flick. Right. You know, that was completely, you know, uncreative, but behind a known actor, not a big actor, but like somebody that you yeah. marquee value that you were. Yeah. That has some marquee value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, we were like, no, like we can, we can sell we can sell the movie for more than a half a million dollars just by putting it on iTunes and Amazon, mm-hmm. and they're like, no, like everybody thinks that, but it doesn't work that way. And we're like, no, we like we know our community, like we 100 percent will will get that back. And uh, basically, everybody just kind of everybody just acted like we got really lucky, um, and maybe we did. You know, maybe we did get a little lucky. I mean, I, I understand a, a lot of people that really know what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. have been, have failed at this, but I think one of the things that, 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 that people do, I think out of order is they try to create a film and find an audience. Right. Whereas we, we had an audience and created a film for that audience. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I, th- I think, that's I think a, there's a big difference. That's the future you though. Know? I think that's the future of independent filmmaking in general. 
100% agree. I think, I think we just gave everybody the blueprint for how you should make an independent film. Um, not that there aren't other ways to do it. I'm definitely not, I'm not trying to pretend like we came up with some amazing thing, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. Hey, again, who are we? Like we're no one, no one, how, you know, we are not household names. Mm -hmm. Um, no one, you know, no one knows who we are if you're not in the military community, mm -hmm. but I can tell you that we're the only independent film in history to ever top the charts on Amazon. And that's from Amazon. So, yeah. So, so before we get to that, what, what made you want to go with distributor? Cause distributor was the final company you decided to self-distribute your film with, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk to a lot of different people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, got a lot of different feedback and, you know, there's some other okay companies out there, but um, uh, Nick Soros gave me some, some, uh, pretty significant time. He's, he's their president. Mm -hmm. Nick's awesome. he just kind of, he just told me his story. He's like, look, man, like I made film, you know, I made film, I made successful film and somehow like I would make a film and it would make a lot of money and I would get none of that money <laughs> over and over again. Like he's like, I ended up upside down on, you know, half my films and, you know, other films I made like a little bit of money and, but, but there was all this money being made and I was sitting there going like, what's, you know, what is the motivation to, to do something only to like hand it over to other people who are going to, you know, take all of the, all of the profit from it and, and throw scraps at me. Like that's not how you get independent filmmakers, you know, to thrive, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, and Nick and I have had a lot of, you know, conversations about this, you know, China now pretty much owns the film industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, like, you know, okay, business is business. And they, you know, they are, these multinational companies have bought most of the, the major production houses in Hollywood now. Mm -hmm. But the result of that is they are going to build film that is going to sell on an international scale, not film that is necessarily interesting or good. You know, like they're yes. going to make tra Transformers and Fast and the Furious movies forever. And there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with those. I'm not sitting here judging like, you know, Fast and the Furious 8. Like, you know, I'll watch it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's entertaining. <clears throat> but I don't want to just watch Fast and the Furious 8. And I feel like that is the direction we're heading. And I, I think if I think there are going to be very few production company major production company films that are interesting in the future the trend is definitely more towards you know very cliche action-packed films yeah for every baby driver there's 45 transformers yes basically uh yes you know and, and i haven't and, even seen baby driver yet but i hear it's i can't believe it got made in the studio system you know it's like oh my god how did that happen but yeah. yeah, and Atomic Blonde is another one I, I can't wait to see. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what was great was uh, Ex Machina. That was a great film. Oh yeah, you know, exactly. I, I, Look I, at that. I, oh. Yeah, that was a, that was a great film, and you know I don't think that ever saw theaters, or if it did, like it did. I didn't know about it. It did, but it was very uh, very small. <laughs> very small. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I I found that on I found it on iTunes. It was like I'm flicking through things, like oh, I want to watch a new movie, and it was like oh what's this? And I I stared at it for like three weeks. It was like man, this thing is not falling off the, you know, the top charts. Like I finally bought it and I was like, man, this movie is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, but how do you, how do you get those films out there? If you're somebody like us, like, you know, um, 
you almost couldn't do it before. And so, you know, with Distriber, I felt like I had a guy that actually cared about, you know, he's not going to do the work for me. I mean, at the end of the day, like, it doesn't matter what your distribution is. Like if your movie sucks, you're not going to, you're not going to get anywhere. If you don't have an audience, you're not going to get anywhere. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I felt like he gave me a very fair way of, of putting my film in a situation where it could succeed. And that's the most that you can hope for, you know, from a distributor. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, um, I had no issues with the distributor. They did a great job with everything. You know, they, anytime there was any kind of issue, they addressed it immediately. Like they raised issues to me to like improve the way that our, our film was going to be viewed. Like, you know, it was a great experience. I'll definitely use them again. Now with, can you talk a little bit about, uh, the release strategy of Range 15? Like, did you go all through iTunes first to kind of get the ranking up? How can you, can you talk a little bit about that? No, we, uh, we did iTunes and Amazon at the same time. Okay. But we, uh, frankly, we just didn't know what we were doing. So (laughs) we felt, we felt like iTunes was going to be bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, and iTunes also shares more of the profit with you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, you know, like and I've had iTunes forever. And so, you know, and, and uh, as has Jared. And so there's a little bit of a bias to what, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we we thought, you know, iTunes is going to be the bigger one and Amazon would be like a distant second. Um, and actually, it was quite the opposite. Um, really? And so, I mean, iTunes did very well. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think I, iTunes the first week beat uh, Amazon, but that was the last time it beat Amazon. And, really? and the diff- yeah, the difference there is the, the, the platform. So with Apple, we were just an, we were an also ran, like we were just, we were another product in their system. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even though we went all the way to, to number two on the charts and we lost to angry birds on iTunes, which they supported big time because mm-hmm. it's their, you know, their film. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, even though we, even though we were number two on the charts for 11 days, nobody from Apple ever reached out and said, you know, can we, you know, can we get some graphics? Could we do, can we, you know, can we pump this? Po- nobody pumped it. Nobody pushed it. Nobody did anything like it went, it went to number two, sat there for over a week mm-hmm. and then, you know, started coming down and. You know, it stayed in the top 25 for, you know, I think a month and a half. And I mean, like it did very well, but like there was no, there was no like movement, Mm -hmm. you know, we just kind of got ignored Mm -hmm. and that's fine. Like I'm not, there's no judgment there, but Mm -hmm. with, with Amazon, um, I actually had, I had, uh, breakfast with, uh, two Amazon executives, um, when I was out there for not a war story talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, our, you know, how we're going to launch that with Amazon as well at some point. Mm -hmm. But, um, they were hilarious. They're they're like, look, man, here's the truth. Um, we woke up, we checked the dailies and we see this movie, uh, range 15. That's, you know, over, you know, Batman versus Superman and over, uh, (laughs) divergence. And we called it because we thought we either got hacked (laughs) <laughs> uh, or there was, or there was some error in our system that needed to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then when we realized, you know, oh, this is real. Like people are actually buying this movie. 
they, you know, they had low men on the totem pole go and Google it and figure out who the hell we were mm-hmm. because they had no idea who we were. And then they reached out to us. So this is all within 24 hours of being on their site. Mm-hmm. They reached out to us and it was their executive vice president. It wasn't just somebody. Mm-hmm. And he was like, look, um, you know, you've got lightning in a bottle here. Like we want to push it. Here's what we need. And they gave us a bunch of sizes that they needed uh graphics, graphics for mm-hmm. and you know we made those graphics within an hour had them back to them the next day they were up on the site and you know and they're still talking to us like oh you know hey we've got veterans day coming up we could do this that or the other thing like those guys know how to amazon knows how to sell better than anybody on the planet everybody that's very else, true that is very true but everybody else is in distant second so these guys you know they have a product People want it. They want more people to buy it, and they're they're incredibly easy to work with. So, so then, uh, so a lot of the a lot of the traction you got on Amazon was strictly because at, at the beginning you got a big push from your audience, but then they just saw it and they decided to move with move on it yeah, and help yes. you. So, yep. by them helping you, it definitely kept the revenue coming in higher because your profile yeah. went up. But but even now, even now, you know, like they were they're laughing. They're like they they cannot believe how many people are still buying the film? Mm-hmm. You know, they said like, like films, uh, you know, it's a year, it's a year from when we launched right now. And like, you know, you typically at this point, you know, you've got your, your, you know, maybe three, $400 a month coming in, especially for an indie film. Mm-hmm. We're still, we're still doing thousands of dollars, you know, uh, on a monthly basis for the movie. So that's insane. Yeah, it's really cool. Now let me really cool. let me ask you a question. So to even so to get up to the top ten of iTunes is pretty substantial. You need to do some yep. major numbers. Can you talk about sales as far as sales or rentals or transactions? How many do you think that people need to get, you know, to make any sort of traction whatsoever? Is that something you could talk about? So I don't I don't know exactly how many you have to sell, you know, to give or to, take. To um you know we did, you know, in that, that first, that first month, we did about a million dollars in, in revenue, uh, no, um, in our, our cut. Okay. Oh, you're just your cut. Jesus. Our cut. Oh, wow. So the movie, um, so this movie definitely has, uh, broken seven figures. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes. So it's a very successful independent film, to say the least. Successful independent film. Yeah, we're, you know, we're, like I said, we're very proud of, of the community for, for making this thing happen. Wow. Uh, and it's still going. And it's still going. People are still finding it. People are still buying it, still, still watching it. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, so, you know, like it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's not a huge film, but, you know, it like, you know, we've done, We've done, you know, a few million bucks on this movie at this point, and uh, you know, we put some of the money towards, you know, towards the documentary, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's you know, and and we're hoping that that does, you know, uh, frankly, better. We're hoping that that's a that's a bigger film in in a lot of ways than the film than the actual movie was. So so just so because you said like yeah, it hasn't done a lot. I guarantee you that everybody listening to this podcast right now would kill to make a million or two million or three million dollars on their independent film. So it's a substantial. I mean, being I've been in the indie business for and in the film business for over twenty years. 
uh, going getting close to 25 for God's sakes. And uh, I, I've rarely heard a story like this. This is a a unicorn style story. So you should be extremely proud of what oh, you've done. That. I, I, I appreciate that. That's why I wanted you on the show. When I heard the story, I was like, this does not happen every day. Uh, it's very rare, and it's and it's still niche. That's the thing that I find so fascinating about Range Fifteen. This is not a movie that blew up into the mainstream because a lot of right. indie movies go and they they find their audience and they just kind of blow up and everybody hears about them. Range Fifteen is still within its niche. Very, it's kind of broken out a little bit here and there, maybe in the action genre, but generally yep. speaking, it's still niche. It's still underground. Yeah. yeah, and so right now, you know, we're gonna, you know, we're hoping, you know, we're either gonna end up on on uh amazon prime or we're going to end up on netflix and uh i want i want to pair the documentary with the film i don't want i don't just want range 15 to end up in one of these things i want both because i think Mm -hmm. people that watch the documentary and then watch the film will get a better love the film forever yeah uh, people that just watch the film like they either love it or they hate it but like you know with the documentary people have an appreciation for how hard it really was to get this movie done. Got it. Now, um, and how, how well have the, the DVDs and Blu-rays have been selling of range 50? I'm just curious. Cause I'll, yeah, cause a lot of people say that DVD and Blu-ray is dead. No, we've sold a ton. Um, and it's interesting cause we've, we only have sold them on, uh, range 15.com. Yeah. And, and the reason for that is, um, even though Amazon is really easy to work with on a lot of things, you know, they, they have a lot of rules to protect the customer. <clears throat> and because we've never, um, because we've never actually, uh, sold DVDs before mm-hmm. we need to get like a waiver. Mm-hmm. And what, by the time we realized all of this, this, like, you know, how you had to do it and, you know, how long it took and, mm-hmm. Um, we just didn't have time because the movie was releasing, so we never, we never put it on Amazon. Right. So we're selling all these DVDs and Blu-rays off of like a website that it's literally its only function is to sell Blu-rays and DVDs. <laughs> nothing like that's it, you know. Now, you know? Uh, and um, how uh, how did you leverage Range Fifteen to sell other products and create other revenue streams? Um, so. You know, we are in the process of uh, of working on a app right now, like a phone game mm-hmm. uh, associated with Range Fifteen. Um, we we created a you know apparel off of off of Range Fifteen, mm-hmm. posters off of Range Fifteen. You know, we're in that business already. Mm-hmm. So you know, we both own apparel companies. Infrastructure uh, was easy to put it into your into your product yes. into your into your yep. pipeline. Yep. And, you know, and, you know, when you look at the other guys, uh, you know, um, Rocco, uh, Jared and Matt own, you know, Lead Slinger's Whiskey, which was the other part of the cure, you know, in the film. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so now for all time, you know, their whiskey is is in this, you know, cult military movie, you know. And so everything, you know, we we are, you know, we are meatheads and we are. Uh, you know, to some extent, you know, clowns, but, you know, we really kind of planned all this out so that like everybody would win long-term all these people that, you know, all these people that came and supported us, all Mm -hmm. of the, the, um, the sponsors that came in, like, I really want these people to all win, win for all time, you know, because they supported this film. 
Wow. Now, can you talk a little bit about uh, not another war, uh, not a, not a war story, the documentary behind it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it started off as a uh, we were going to do a short that we just included on the DVD, mm-hmm. and I asked um, this this guy Tim O'Donnell. So earlier we talked about you know the first silly video that we ever made, the Raindrop Workout video. That was nine years ago, and Tim O'Donnell is the guy that I hired to do that. You know, he and I met at a UFC fight. Uh, he was an art teacher, and he had just um, he had just made his first documentary on the side about a wrestler that he had coached. And um, we were there because I was sponsoring a, a fighter by the name of uh, Jorge Rivera, mm-hmm. and he was doing a short about Jorge. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't have a lot of commercial work at the time, and so he thought it'd be, you know, he thought it'd be cool to do some funny videos with us. And so, you know, I think, man, I think that first, the first paycheck for like a whole weekend, I think he, I think we paid him like fifteen hundred bucks, and he made like seven videos, you know, like nothing. Mm-hmm. We weren't big, he wasn't big, and uh, we just had a lot of fun. And so he and I, over the years, have made. Um, you know, uh, four pretty significant documentaries that have won some festival awards. They're just Mm -hmm. passion projects, you know, to Mm -hmm. tell stories about veterans. And, uh, when we were doing this, you know, I asked, I asked him if he was interested in doing it. He was like, yeah, absolutely. And again, the plan was, Hey, he was going to come out for the, you know, come out for a couple sessions and then come out during filming and, you know, make a 10, 15 minute short for the DVD. Two days in, you know, he he took Jared and I aside and he was like, guys, I don't think this is a short. Uh, I think I think this is a feature film. I'm getting gold. You know, the interviews with all the vets that are here, you know, Mm -hmm. is absolute gold. You know, the crises that you guys are constantly dealing with is gold. Like, I think we need to do this. And I was, you know, Jared and I talked about it. We're like, all right, absolutely. Let's do it. And so, um, he and, uh, you know, the second unit director for the documentary, uh, Alex Miller proceeded to capture, you know, the next year of, you know, everything that happened, you know, the editing, the, uh, the selling points, the Sundance selling, going to Iraq with the film, um, you know, everything. And, uh, uh, we ended up with a film that we think is, you know, and, and you have to take all of this with a grain of salt, right? In some ways, it's it's not in any way disrespectful to like the making of Range Fifteen, but Range Fifteen is a you know is a funny B flick, mm-hmm. not a war story. Is mm-hmm. a really powerful film, mm-hmm. um, far more powerful than I expected. Mm-hmm. You know, actually watching it gave me anxiety because I was reliving the things that had happened. Sure. And, uh, that I had forgotten all about, you know, and, and, uh, audiences thus far have loved it. You know, we've done two screenings. One was like a test screening with, you know, 50 people. And, uh, we actually purposefully chose the most liberal people we could find. Mm -hmm. Um, they were all, you know, because we, we wanted them to have like literally no affiliation with the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, we almost tried to find people that were almost combatant towards the military, to be honest, because okay. we wanted the worst possible <laughs> experience. Right, right, right. And and, uh, and and they loved it. 
And mm-hmm. so, and then we had our, our, you know, our premiere at the Academy of uh, Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, which frankly was a surreal moment. That must and, be a surreal uh, moment. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. Standing there like between two Oscars, giving a speech about a movie. That's um, insane. And, uh, and it, it got, you know, pretty universal acclaim out there. And so, you know, we're now in the process of uh, submitting our application for an Oscar bid, which, you know, we, we 100% realize is a long shot, but, um, you know, I can't think of a, I can't think of a better win for the community than us miraculously pulling this off. (laughs) That would be pretty insane. Like just coming back and saying, guys, like, you know, you did this. Are you self-distributing it as well? I don't know yet, you know, and so we've had some great meetings with a lot of people Mm -hmm. and, uh, we're going to, we're going to see what happens. Gotcha. Um, I would, I would love for this film to have broader distribution because whereas range 15, you know, we delivered it, we, you know, we told, we told our constituency, Mm -hmm. we are going to make this movie for you. And so Mm -hmm. everybody else wanted to change it. They wanted to remove scenes. They wanted Mm -hmm. to release it on their timeline and, you know, we, we, we could not do that. Like the community funded the movie. We made a promise to the community. We had to deliver on that promise with not a war story. Um, I think it's a bigger film in that I I've never seen a film that does a better job of bridging the civilian military divide. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a window into the military community that I think is needed because it, it, it humanizes the military. Um, it's very, it's very easy to, to turn veterans into caricatures, right? Mm -hmm. And and the caricature that most people, you know, convert you to depends on kind of your worldview and where you grew up and how you grew up. Mm -hmm. Either, you know, you think veterans are broken by war, maybe alcoholics, maybe suicidal, or you think veterans are, you know, perfect white knights with, you know, the moral fiber of like, you know, uh, Sir Lancelot. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so, you know, neither of those things is true. Right. And, you know, you see very clearly that like we're a cross section of society with different goals, different belief systems. Mm -hmm. Um, but that we're, you know, we're a very tight knit community and we use gallows humor, you know, a lot to kind of, you know, deal with things when things go wrong, you know, there are more jokes, not less, you know, as things get more intense, Mm -hmm. uh, we tend to get sillier. Um, and that's because that's the way it is in the military. That's what we're accustomed to. Now, all of that is captured, you know, in this film. Well, man, I wish you the best of luck with that film. I can't wait to see it. I really, really want to see it. Now, do you have another narrative film on the horizon? Are you going to try to do, Range 16? No, I'm joking, but (laughs) do you have another film on the horizon? So, you know, um, right now, you know, in terms of another group project, I think we'd all like to work together on another major project, a sequel at at some point. But, you know, literally right now, Matt is uh, is deep into finishing his book Mm -hmm. um, where he got he got a huge deal with Penguin Books. Nice. And, uh, you know, that's he's got to focus on that. Tim Kennedy. Um, you know, he's on season three of hunting Hitler and he's about to launch a new show about 
just I can't even talk about it. It's a crazy show mm-hmm. where, where Tim basically almost dies over and over again. No, Jesus. Uh, okay. Uh, Vince Vargas is going to be on the Mayans um, and also has a show coming out on the History Channel. Mm-hmm. And so the Mayans is the Sons of Anarchy spinoff. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared Taylor is doing a reality show called blood on the deck where he is, uh, he is a ship boat captain, uh, who has never fished before trying to compete against Dakota Meyer, who's a medal of honor recipient on a different boat. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I am, you know, I'm taking not a war story across the finish line and, uh, also pitching a series right now that we, where we have, we have four in the can called 22 for 22, Mm-hmm. which are 22 documentaries. Um, so 22, uh, veterans a day kill themselves and, wow. and, and people, I know it's crazy. Uh, and people focus on that number a lot. And what we want to do is we want to tell 22 inspiring stories, try to reclaim that number a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, 22, 22 people that have, that have faced adversity, and, and dealt with it and not always one, like not always right, come right. out and, and like, Oh yeah, you know, things were tough. And then they got incredible. Like sometimes things were tough and I worked really hard and they were still tough, but they keep moving. Yeah. Um, and so we want to tell, we want to tell 22 stories of people that are taking it on the chin and, and continuing to drive forward to, to show people that they're not alone. And so that's my, that's my documentary project. And then I am uh, I'm writing a and I I'm I'm writing a super dark super dark movie right now mm-hmm. um, going a totally different direction from range. Uh, from what I did with Range 15 and uh, uh, starting to build a team to to do that so that's awesome uh, man. that's yeah, awesome so you know we'll see what happens like everybody's doing really cool stuff and the, the nice thing about this group of guys is uh, you know we all support each other like you know I'm. I'm hoping Matt, you know, ends up with the New York Times bestseller. I'm hoping Jared ends up with a top show. I'm hoping Rocco turns into a big star as a result of doing the Mayans. Like, you know, it's it's a cool group of people and like everybody's everybody's pushing forward. Now, can you give uh, what advice would you have for a filmmaker just starting out in the business? So I give the same advice to um, aspiring filmmakers that I give to aspiring entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and Everybody, everybody wants to win right out of the gate, right? and you can ar- you can argue you can argue that we did, right? But that argument is yeah. false yeah, because very, what, yeah. what happened? You know, it it took me a decade to build this audience. Yeah, you know, it took the Article Fifteen guys three years to build their audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, though, you know, before they built their audience. You know, Jared was making videos for four years. Matt was making videos for three years. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, you start with something. Like, you want to be an aspiring, you, you want to make a film, start mm-hmm. making films. Start yeah. making shorts, post those shorts online, build an audience, figure out what the audience likes and what they don't. Like, sometimes filmmakers, you know, get a little bit up their own butt and, uh, they, they think that they are these, you know, the greatest creative uh, <laughs> artist of all time. And, 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 you know, like, I'll be honest with you. Like I watch things like project green light oh, and these dude. guys are like, Oh man, I've got to shoot it on film. Like, I don't know. Can I swear on this podcast? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Like when I watch that dude, 
get handed two million dollars. Which episode? What season? He, which season? Which season? Uh, this was the 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 latest one. Where oh, they the made, very last the, uh, one. Oh, I haven't seen. I just. Uh, I, yeah, the last uh, one on HBO. Yeah, he, yeah. Gets, he gets handed. He gets handed two million dollars, which is the most they've ever handed anybody. Right. Yeah, they've never handed that much out. And he's like, I got to I've got to shoot this whole thing on film. And the producers are like, you know, we really don't think that's a good idea. And like they go to like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and like he wants to shoot on film and they talk to him about the difficulties. But then they're like, well, he wants to do it. So we're going to let him like I would have been like, you know what, motherfucker, like not only no, but like get the fuck out of here. We're going to pick someone else because if, if you're that much of an ass clown. <laughs> that you don't realize that this project is already going to be so hard. Somebody is handing you $2 million that isn't your money. And, right. and you, you're you not listening to their advice. Like, you don't need to be in this business. Like, you don't need to be. Oh, my, fr- my friend. You know. That's that's the majority of people I meet in this business. Yeah. I mean, And by it's, the way, a, a fun little fact, I was in season two of Project Greenlight. Uh, really? I was in the very opening, a uh, very small part. <laughs> I was in the opening sequence of episode one as one of my entry tapes because uh, I made it to like almost the top 50 of filmmakers. Oh, I, made, cool. I made it to the top 50 that year. Yeah, that's really cool. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, like, those, those, those stories, I, I stopped watching them. I couldn't do it anymore because they're just so just gnawing at you. Like something as yeah. stupid as that. Like, dude, are you kidding did, me? <laughs> yeah. I did not know the show existed. So – after we finished, Ross, our director uh, mm-hmm. for Range 15, was yeah. like, "You've never seen Project Greenlight." He's like, "He's like, go watch it." Oh, dude, go watch it. Those, oh. He's like, "Those guys have been given every opportunity, and they still managed to screw it up." And uh, man, I was furious. Like every single time, I can't stop watching it though because it's like, like they're all clowns. Uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, the, the, I, season, the season one guy was probably the best, and he he, he, uh, he was humble, a little humble. Just he was. Ignorant. He was and very yeah. ignorant and very ignorant to the process. I, I, ignorant but humble. And, yes. And you can you can, you know you but he can. Learned. Yeah, you can. You can understand somebody not knowing what they're doing, and that's you fine. Allow, you can allow for that. Yes. But when somebody is cocky and they don't know what they're doing, that's dangerous combination, like, my friend. Yeah, it's yeah. really bad. It's completely it's two million dollars. Yeah, like two million. Completely understandable if you don't know what you're doing and if you're ignorant. And my God, that kid was thrown into, I mean, a whirlwind. He had never seen anything yeah. like that before, and he was yeah. just trying to hold on for dear life. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. But when you're an ass about it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, come, come on. I've got to make my first movie on film. Dude, are you – like I still – even now thinking about it, like it pisses me off. Like, I mean – and then I, a, I had on the show um, Sean Baker who shot Tangerine on the iPhone, the one mm-hmm. that, that, that gets yeah. sold to Magnolia and went on to be, do yeah. big things. He's like, dude, I wanted and, – and he, by the way, in the next movie he shot, he shot on – that was his fifth movie and he chose to shoot on the iPhone for the look. Because he could have shot yeah. on anything. And it was with the Duplass brothers and all that stuff. Yeah. But he just yep. went out and did it. He just went out and did it. It's it's fascinating. And now uh, I'm going to ask you three questions I always ask, uh, or two questions I always sure. ask all my film, uh, all my guests. Um, what is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film business or in life? Uh, life is not fair. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> on, on, honest to God. Like, you know, everybody keeps waiting <laughs> People have a belief that, oh, if you just work hard for a little while, you're, you know, there's this meme that, that, that they post for entrepreneurs where it's like, uh, you know, entrepreneurs are people that work, you know, that work five years 
harder than anyone else so they can live the rest of their lives like no one else. I don't know a single entrepreneur that isn't still working his ass off. And I don't care if like you're a multimillionaire or billionaire, or, you know, <laughs> just starting out, you know, like everybody's working, you know, that's the, that's the way it is. Like the challenges only get harder and sometimes things happen and you have no control over it and they suck and they hurt you. And, you know, people lose businesses all the time over things that they didn't even do. And, you know, um, life is not fair. And so you just, you can't, when bad things happen and they will, you cannot sit there and go, you know, woe is me. You know, this isn't right, but don't you guys understand it happened because of this reasons? Like no one cares and you have to deal with the now. Mm-hmm. If you don't deal with the now, it will get out of control. You will lose control and you will lose, you will lose all of it. Can you, so you have to deal with reality instead of dealing with what should be. I know it's not bitching about what should be. Oh, what should, yeah, I, I should be this. I should be that. Does, does you no good. Now, would you agree? Because you work with, a, I'm sure there's a lot of entrepreneurs after you started basically the, the business that you're in with the t-shirts and, and building up that apparel company. There must have been multiple guys who've come along trying to replicate and go after it. But the yeah. one thing, and so, some have done it successfully, yeah. and and which have. is fine. Which which is fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's part of the business. You want to have a bigger. <laughs> you want to have a hundred guys, so the industry is yep. much larger. Um, mm-hmm. But do you find it? And I find this. Uh, I find this quote from um, Eric Thomas. I don't know if you know who Eric Thomas is. Uh, he's a motivational speaker. Uh, they call I, him. Yeah, I don't. I do not know him, but I'll look him up. They call him the hip hop preacher. Uh, because okay. he works with the, he works with the Patriots, he works with a lot of uh, NFL, a lot of uh, NBA cool. guys and stuff. He says this his this quote, which I thought was so great. He's like, "You can't love the goal; you've got to be in love with the grind." Yeah, the, pro- yeah, the process, the grind. You've got because if you're in love with the goal, you'll never make it. You've got to be in love with that day to day, ball busting. Got to get the job done. No matter what situation, whether being a filmmaker or an entrepreneur, yep. is that a, would you be in yep. agreement? That's uh, yeah, hundred percent true. Now, what are three of your favorite films of all time? Ooh, <laughs> the toughest Man, question that's, always. That's always tough. Obviously, always range fifteen, tough. but no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, let's let's try to kind of uh, break it down. I'm not going to try to go for anything like super heavy and like oh look how. Dude, you know, how many great films I've watched. Yeah, yeah. So um, Citizen Kane, so Casablanca. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. I, I do I do really like Casablanca. No, who doesn't? But, you know, I mean, like, seriously. That would, be, a... that would be disingenuous for yeah. me to say. Casablanca so, so amazing. Um, recent film that I really love uh, is Sicario. Yeah, that was a great uh, flick, man. Good flick. I love that. Love that film. I've probably watched Sicario 13, 14 times. Yeah. Because I love the way he shoots it. I love the feel of it and I love the no nonsense, like, like, you know, it, no nonsense way that the characters kind of deal with life. So really enjoy that film. Uh, I love Rushmore. (laughs) That's a good flick, man. Am I going to say it's one of the the best three films of all time? I don't know. No, to you. It's not, it's not, it's not a list for everybody else. It's a lips to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Rushmore is a, is a a great flick. Uh, I personally think it's Wes Anderson's best. I know a lot of people disagree with that, mm-hmm. but um, oh man, you know, and uh, you know what? Like, you know, I know it's super typical, but I'm going to go with Lord of the Rings, and, and the reason okay. I'm going to say one? Lord of the Rings. The first, well, yeah, just the, the whole trilogy. set. The, trilogy, you know? yes. the reason for that is because I've always loved fantasy, mm-hmm. 
But before Lord of the Rings, every fantasy movie was cheesy and terrible, and it, it just made you feel like a nerd. You're like, man, like I'm watching this movie because I'm a nerd, you know, because I used to play Dungeons and Dragons, because I, you know, because I read, you know, I read these books, but like I know deep down this movie's terrible. And then Lord of the Rings comes out, and you're like, when's an Oscar? Shit, when's multiple Oscars? Like this this movie is amazing, right? You know, and uh, and now it's cool to make fantasy movies, and like you know, without without Lord of the Rings, there's no Game of Thrones. Oh, absolutely, because cause yeah. Peter because Peter Jackson had to show everybody how to do it. Right, no question. Now I'll, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back real quick on uh, on fantasy movies. Uh, I think you and I are similar ages, um, or close at least. Do you remember a movie called Crawl? Yes, one of the greatest movies I ever saw as a child. If I look at it today, it's embarrassing. It's, it's horrible. It's but the, yeah. Liam Neeson's first movie. Yeah, really. Liam Neeson's first acting role. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's un, unwatchable now. Yeah, like you watch it only because you grew up with the memory. I don't want to watch you it know? because I want to keep on. I want to hold on to that memory because I don't. Yeah, I, it's kind of like yeah. I'm gonna go watch Willow. You know. Ooh. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. So Nick, where can people find you and and your companies? Um, so you can yeah. We're all over social media. Uh, Facebook, you can look up Ranger Up. Uh, you can look up Nick Palmashano. Same thing with Instagram, Ranger Up or Nick Palmashano. And then, uh, you know, my my compatriots, um, you can that, that I did the films with. You can find on Article Fifteen, Matt Best, Jaron Taylor, Vince Vargas. Uh, also, our side, Tim Kennedy and uh, Jack Mandeville. And then the movie itself, Range Fifteen. And we're literally any single. Anything you go to, like whether you're talking Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, like we're we're on everything. So, you know, Ranger Up, Nick Palmashano, and all those other guys. You're you're everywhere, man, dude. Uh, first we're of all, everywhere. man, again, I wanted to say thank you for not only being on the show. Thank you for your service, man. I really, I wholeheartedly appreciate appreciate it, and and thank you for sharing your story, your inspirational story, and how you got Ranger Fifteen out, man. I hope it inspires some people to get off their ass and actually go make some movie because there is there is a blueprint, and you can do it, but it's not going to happen in a day. It might take five years to do. It might take ten. Ten years. Yeah, but it's 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 doable. Absolutely, Nick. Thanks again, brother. Yes, sir. If that doesn't inspire you guys to go out and make a movie, I don't know what will. Honestly, I just want to thank Nick so much for being on the show and sharing his story and inspiration for all of us as as filmmakers that it is possible. You can do it. It's just going to take a lot of work and a lot of grind. And you've got to learn how to love that grind, that day-to-day, day-in, day-out work to get your movies out there, to make your dreams come true. And Nick and the whole team of Range 15 is a perfect example of that. And I really hope you guys find some inspiration in Nick's story. And as you heard in episode 166, uh, my entire distribution, uh, self-distribution plan and how we're using Distributor to do it, I'll put uh, links to all of that stuff and how to get a hold of Range 15 and how to get a hold of Nick and everything in the show notes at IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash 167. And don't forget to head over to FreeFilmBook.com. That's FreeFilmBook.com to download your free filmmaking 
or screenwriting audiobooks, guys. It's awesome. I listen to audio audiobooks all the time, and Audible is awesome. They have a quick, quick, great app, and you can try it out for free, man. You can get one free audiobook, no strings attached. Head over to freefilmbook.com. And as always, keep that hustle going, keep that dream alive, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia.